You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBattleLeroy.com. Uh, let's turn in our scriptures to hear from God. We're going to turn to, to Matthew chapter 1 this morning. Matthew 1, we were there last week, 18 through 25 is what we'll be reading. Matthew 1, 18, uh, a familiar story to many of us. As we're going there, uh, we can put up our picture from last week. I had two turned in. Uh, one was Malachi. He was the week before. This one was from Madeline. So thank you, Madeline, for drawing this. Those are camels, aren't they? Right? Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got that. And the manger scene and the horse and, and uh, Joseph and Mary. And we've been looking at that story here. And so, uh, kids, as you're following along today, you can draw a picture and give it to me afterwards. And, and maybe you'll, you'll win. I just draw them kind of out of the hat to see who gets up here. And uh, thank you for being part of that. And that's where we were. We, look, we were looking at this story, this angel coming to Joseph. And that's where we're at again this morning. There was just more here last week uh, than what we could get to. And so we'll be covering just the last part here. But let me read the entire section again for us this morning, in, um, starting in uh, verse 18 and then through 25. Let's listen to God's word here. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph. Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray again together. Lord, we just ask that you guide our time as we look into your word. As we go other places in your word, may you, by your spirit, reveal and give understanding. Lord, that my words would fade and that your glory and the truth of your scripture would shine brightly through what is shared in these next minutes. Lord, we need to hear from you and we thank you. I thank you for this morning already that in song and in word, we are able to come again and fix our eyes again on the author and perfecter of our faith on Jesus. Thank you that we have something to celebrate today so much greater than any song on the radio or gift that we could buy here on earth can provide. Lord, bring that truth home more and more into our hearts as we celebrate 
at this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said last week, we started through the first four verses of this section here, and we stopped at verse 22. It's, it's really all one section, but there's just more to look at here. And, and this week, we're really going to dive into the Old Testament plan of God for this virgin to conceive and bear a son called Emmanuel. But though this is one section, we can kind of break it up into two different parts. If you look at verse 18, you say there, it begins with a phrase, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And what follows then after verse 18 is the way in which the birth took place. So we spoke of the plans of Joseph to do what was the lawful thing to do. And because it was supposed Mary had committed adultery, it was to divorce her, put her away. But, but God had other plans. And we said eternal plans that God had. So the angel appears to Joseph to give him insight. Here's why, Joseph, continue on. Take Mary as your wife and even name her son because what was in her was from the Holy Spirit. God was initiating the redemption of His people by the Holy Spirit and then in the life of these two, Joseph and Mary, from, from Nazareth. Even prior in Matthew, we didn't read it, 1 through 17 here in the chapter, if you just gaze there, it's the genealogy. It's all the background of Jesus. And it shows this going back to Abraham. Jesus here being the offspring of the promise to Abraham in whom all the nations would be blessed. And now it's revealed to Joseph what he was to be. And to borrow the phrase, he was really an instrument in the Redeemer's hands at this point. And he was told by God, verse 21, call him Jesus. Call this son that she's going to bear. Call him Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. And then Matthew adds this explanation here of fulfillment, verse 22. And he begins with similar wording from verse 18. If you see 18, the the birth took place of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And now it's verse 22. All this took place to fulfill. So you've kind of got verse 18 showing the, the how. How did this virgin birth come about? It was of the Holy Spirit, so forth. And now kind of a, more of a why. Why did this come about? And it was to fulfill the words of prophecy. As we saw in the book of Acts last week, the plan of sending Jesus to his lost and defiled creation, it was part of the definite and gracious plan of God from eternity. And today, even looking back in this case to the Old Testament. So as we look at verse 22, kind of where we're beginning, Matthew takes us back now to the prophet Isaiah and what he had spoken concerning this plan of God. So let me read again Matthew's verses here, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. But that comes from somewhere. And again, it goes back to this prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. Some 700 years before this was ever taking place, this had been spoken. And we're going to take some time to look at that this morning. And then we'll eventually, we will return and get back here to Matthew. So go with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. I have the wireless because I have sniffles. So I can sniff and then come back. So this is working today. But... uh, The book of Isaiah, chapter 7, 
I'll kind of be starting near verse 1, but we're really going to start reading around verse 10. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, if you have one in the seats in front of you, if you have a black one of those, it's, I'll make it easy. It's page 572. If you picked up a red one, it's page 492. So easy on you. Others, you'll get there. Just find it. Isaiah 7. And we'll be looking at this. Here's the setting of where we're at in this prophecy of uh, Isaiah. We're in the kingdom of Ahaz. This is the, the king of Judah, who according to Second Kings, this guy was not a good king. He did not do right in the eyes of the Lord his God. It says he walked in the evil ways of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering according to the nations around him. I believe we've got a map to show just to give maps are helpful. I like maps and uh, to show you kind of where that this is a bigger map, but you can see Judah way down kind of bottom left above Egypt there, Judah. That's where this King uh, Ahaz is the king. And here's the situation of chapter seven of what he's dealing with. The nations of Syria and Israel to the north you can kind of see them right there in bold Syria and then Israel you can kind of see Damascus there. Those to the north, they're coming to wage war against King Ahaz of Judah, the southern kingdom. It's the second verse of Isaiah 7 here. It says, when, when King Ahaz and those in the house, in his house, heard that Syria had joined with Israel to attack them, it says the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. They are fearful of these two kind of joined-up nations coming down against them. There's great fear going on. And we might ask, and it's a good question at this point, where do they go with this fear? Where do they go when these nations are coming against them? Who are they going to turn to? This is a people and a kingdom established by God, the Lord of hosts. And we can ask, will he look to God in this moment? So, God sends the prophet Isaiah to speak to him. And God says through Isaiah, it's in uh, verse 4 of chapter 7, He says, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. Basically, they devised evil, but trust, look to God. Really, in essence, Ahaz and your people, in essence, be firm in your faith. Rely on God. Look to Him. And now we get to verse 10. And we're getting closer to our verse that Matthew is using at the time of Jesus' birth. Look at verse 10. I'm going to read 10 through 12. It says again, The Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. I think Ahaz would not seek a sign because of the answer. Here's the answer. His faith was not towards his God. It was, and Second Kings, again, kind of a parallel account in chapter 16, explains some of this, that Ahaz was going to trust in the king of Assyria and not the Lord, his God. So rather than look to God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Ahaz, this king of Judah, would look elsewhere. And you see it's still up there. You can see Assyria there. 
That's who he's going to rely on and look to. You don't have to go there, but here's what 2 Kings 16 adds to this context so we understand what's going on here. It says, So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent a present to the king of Assyria. You getting the picture of where this guy is putting his trust? It says the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus and took it, carrying its people captive to Kerr, and he killed Rezin. In the short term, Ahaz obtained relief from his oppressors by way of the king of Assyria. That's in the short term. But let's keep reading, because despite the fact that Ahaz would not seek the Lord his God, God says a sign would be given nonetheless. We pick up again in Isaiah 7, look at verse 13. And he said, this is the Lord speaking through the prophet Ahaz. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, that doesn't point it out here, but that's God in the Hebrew, God with us. Here's God's grace with this sign, I believe. Here Ahaz, his heart has turned towards the king of Assyria. This is where he's going. And yet God, in his grace, and there will be judgment as well for this move, but in his grace, there is a sign. Don't you remember Israel, uh, Judah here in this case? Don't you remember house of David? I'm with you. I'm your God. Verse 15 continues. This sign, this son to be born, this Emmanuel, it says, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Let, let me just translate that for us that are close to Wisconsin and Minnesota. That doesn't mean cheese curds. That sounds like a great meal. That, that's not the case here. It's curds and honey, the, this is a diet of people in desolation. This wasn't a diet. We look at that, we go, man, cheese curds and honey, that's pretty good. Uh, not so much here. So this boy born, verse 15, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. And then verse 16, for before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. So yes, a child will be born called Emmanuel. But before the boy is old enough really to know right or wrong, the two kings that you dread Ahaz, they're going to be no more. In other words, your threats, they will be done away with. They will be gone. But a worse threat is going to appear. So though they had God with us, yet they've not sought God, but they've sought an earthly king. And here's verse 17 then that tells us the consequence. Verse 17. You could end at 16, so yes, they'll be deserted. But now verse 17, the Lord will bring upon you and upon your people, and upon your father's house, such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. 
The one Ahaz is trusting in, this Assyria, oh, they're going to save me. Yeah, well, short term, yes. Long term, no. They're actually going to come upon you and overtake you because you would not follow the Lord, Emmanuel, God with you. So, could look at it short term, maybe Ahaz found relief, but yet long term, the king of Assyria is going to come upon them. And yet God himself, he declares, even in this passage, God is with his people. Yet so often his people run to different gods, little g. If you've been reading through the Bible on our two-year reading plan, and I've got sheets out there. If you're interested in continuing with that, we're, we're coming up on year two to keep going with that. You came, I think it was just yesterday morning, to this very story. So some of you that have been following along with that, this is you understand this and where we're at. It comes from Second Chronicles 28. Uh, I want you to turn there. Keep a finger in Isaiah and go to Second Chronicles 28 just to hear this difference of worship. Second Chronicles 28. Uh, again, I'm helping you out. If you've got one of those black Bibles you're using, it's 379, page 379. If you've got a red one, it's 336. Okay, 379 for those in black, those in red, 336. Those without, you'll get there. Second Chronicles 28. We're going to read just a little bit from 19 through verse 25 just to give, again, this, this flavor, this Ahaz who who would not look to the Lord his God for help, but to all other gods. 2 Chronicles 28, 19. Here's what it says here. For the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he had made Judah act sinfully and had been very unfaithful to the Lord. So Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. For Ahaz took a portion from the house of the Lord and the house of the king and of the princes and gave tribute to the king of Assyria, but it did not help him. In the time of his distress, he became yet more faithless to the Lord. This same king Ahaz, for he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus that he had uh, that had defeated him and said, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. You see where he's running? He's running everywhere, but the Lord God. But they were the ruin of him and of all his Israel. Verse 24, And Ahaz gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God. And he shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. And he made himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah, he made high places to make offerings to other gods, provoking to anger the Lord, the God of his fathers. Ahaz would not look in belief to the only one who could save, to the Lord God who was with them, but was unfaithful, looking for help from every other God. If you kept your finger in Isaiah, head back there on our way back to Matthew. But here in Isaiah 7, we have this sign of the virgin conceiving a son, Emmanuel. And I believe in, in part it found partial fulfillment in the days of Ahaz as 
I would go with Isaiah and his wife. It mentions in, in chapter 8 a prophetess that had a son, uh, perhaps Isaiah's wife here. There was a, the sign was for the faith of Ahaz that he could trust in the God of Israel, put his faith in him, but he did not. He gave up silver and gold from the Lord's house to another king in whom he put his trust. So here, kind of a partial, and yet we'll see in Matthew that really the full fulfillment. But here's the neat thing, and I'm just, I just got to keep going on through Isaiah a little bit because despite their wanderings, God was with his people. He would be faithful to his promise to David to have one on the throne eternally. Tonight, if you come back at 5 for the Christmas Eve service, we're going to read some from Isaiah chapter 8 and then into chapter 9. Chapter 9 we're familiar with. We'll get that. For unto us a son is given and wonderful counselor and that sort of thing. Chapter 8 we're not as familiar with reading about Christmas and that sort of thing. But now you understand this Isaiah 7 through 9 here, some of the context of what was going on. Israel was a people who were called out by the Lord of hosts, and yet they would not fear him or honor him. And towards the end of Isaiah 8, uh, in particular, even um, verse 20, Isaiah 8, there's kind of this, this message here, you know, honor the Lord, let him be your fear, uh, and he will become a sanctuary. But yet verse 20 of Isaiah 8, it says, to the teaching and to the testimony if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. In other words, darkness surrounds those who have no light. These were dark days for this kingdom that would not look to the Lord. But then look at this grace, and it's in chapter 9. And I just, we just got to read through this a little bit. Though they faltered, though they wandered, look at God's further fulfillment, further promise going on. Chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for who, her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Galilee. Where was Jesus' ministry? Galilee. Nazareth, that area. Verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God's grace and mercy burst forth in this Son to be born. 
And so now in Matthew, we see, behold, this prophecy is fulfilled. God has come not only to dwell with man, but to save sinful man from his sin. A new and greater king, again, of the line of David. You know, there's Ahaz and then so, so down and down and down. Matthew's shown us in chapter one. Now this son of David, this king was to come through the Virgin Mary. He would not just build an earthly kingdom and save from earthly threats like we saw in the map there. He's going to save from a much greater oppressor. The master called sin from which they could not run far enough away from. He would save them from darkness. So in light of this prophecy of Isaiah, then Matthew's using this to explain the coming of Jesus. There's again a call for the reader of Matthew. Let's go back again. Matthew 1, back to our text In light of all this, in light of that context of Ahaz and the people running after other gods, now read these fresh again, verses 22 through 23. Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He who is born in Mary is of the Holy Spirit. That what is born in Mary will save his people from their sins. This child born in Mary will be Emmanuel, God with us. Here's the hope. Jesus is the greater king. He's of the line of the kings of Israel. He would be the true king who would rule perfectly. Ahaz did not rule perfectly. No other king but this king. For he was God in the flesh. No other ruler would do except Jesus. Even the greatest threat to the subjects of his kingdom, sin, Satan's rule, they'd be crushed. And guess how they would be crushed? By the death of their king. That's what's amazing here, is the mighty king would humble himself to the bloody cross to die for those who had rebelled against him in sin. So not only is Jesus, he's not only the great king in the line of David, he's the forever king, but he's the gracious, saving king who frees his people from their sins that they may no longer fear life or death, but they can know the God who's Emmanuel, who's God with us, and they will be with him forever. Listen to this quote by John Piper here on this freedom. He says, Christmas is for freedom, freedom from the fear of death. Jesus took our nature in Bethlehem to die our death in Jerusalem, all that we might be fearless in our city today. Yes, fearless. Because if the biggest threat to my joy is gone, then why should I fret over the little ones? He says, how can you say, he asks a question, how can you say, well, I'm not afraid to die, but I am afraid to lose my job. No, no, think. If death, I said death, no pulse, cold and gone. If death is no longer a fear, we're free, really free. Free to take any risk under the sun for Christ and for love. No more enslavement to anxiety. If the sun has set you free, you shall be free indeed. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us through the Savior. 
we can be free. If He's solved our eternal problem of separation from God, what do we have to fear today? He's with us. We'll look at these last couple verses then. Verses 24 through 25 as this, as this little vignette closes here. Verse 24, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had, give, uh, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So here now we see Joseph from the line of David, the son of David, going about as the Lord commanded him. I'm not sure Matthew intends a direct correlation, but do you see the difference of Joseph and Ahaz here even? Joseph, he's given direction of God. He's commanded, take Mary as your wife, call the son Jesus, and he does it. He obeys. Despite whatever consequences, whatever shame this might produce, Despite this plan that had interrupted Joseph's plan, maybe of this perfect marriage, God had interrupted it. Still, Joseph follows the Lord. He takes Mary as his wife. He obeys God. And then he even names the son. He follows through. He names him Jesus. This goes back even to verse 21, the call of the angel there on Joseph to name him Jesus. Here's one commentator on this naming of Jesus. Here's what he says. By giving the name... That is, Joseph calling his name Jesus. Joseph officially accepted the child. This gave the child the status of a descendant of David. So, though the child is born of the Holy Spirit, when Joseph names him, it means uh, Jesus is as good as Joseph's son. And Joseph, in the line of David, hears Jesus in that line. So the birth of Jesus Christ, it took place in this way. According to the perfect and eternal plan of God. It's foretold by Isaiah, enacted by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus named by an earthly father, though a descendant of David, who had other plans, but he was obedient to take Mary and call this son his own. Three different thoughts towards this as we close. Number one, God's eternal plan of redemption. Over and above any of our plans, God in His grace, and we ought to emphasize that all the time, in His grace has planned to bring redemption and salvation to those who are rebels to Him. Can we fathom such a plan? I know we we say it, we're so used to the words of God's grace, but He comes to be with a people that had been against him. And he dies for that people. That's the amazing story of Christmas, that he would even come for a sinful people to save from sin. You know, maybe we could understand it if the people he planned to save were worthy. You know, maybe they're good enough. Yeah, it's worth a try. Go, go after them. But they were not. They were slaves to sin. But God in his grace, he comes. And that's what we celebrate. He's come to purchase, not only purchase, but to purify a people for Himself. We can rest in this ultimate plan of God. Colossians 1.19 says, For in Him, that is Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You want true peace? 
It's in Christ alone. So, His eternal plan of redemption. Number two, the word Emmanuel. For those that know the Savior, here is the great and everlasting promise. God is with us. It's short phrase. It's beautiful and wonderful. Romans 8, 31 through 39. I won't read all of it. Here's part of it. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All we need is found in what he's given. And it ends with the phrase, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Dear brother, sister, don't be an Ahaz. Don't be searching for hope in the things of earth, trusting in men when our fear and our trust and reliance ought to be on God, resting in Christ. And then thirdly, as Joseph, as we see in him, faithful obedience to Emmanuel's plans. Faithful obedience to the plans of God, not ours. God told Joseph, take Mary. He told him, call him Jesus. So Joseph lived out his faith. He followed the commands of God and not man. His ear was to what God had for him. No matter how it might disrupt your plans, obey God. Put your faith in His perfect plan, trusting that He will be with you no matter how hard the situation is. For He is with us in Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord, Your plan of redemption overflows with grace of a God whom we have sinned against and yet in Your love and mercy has called us to be sons and daughters of the King. Oh Lord, may our hope not be in anything else. May we not be an Ahaz that goes around looking to little g God, looking to other things in this world to satisfy, to give relief, to give hope, not in our families, not in the things we own, not in what we will do or our plans, but in You alone who promise that in Christ, Lord, You are with us. May we be encouraged for this great gift that we have in Christ and may we sing about it and proclaim it to others. Guide us as we go from here, Lord. When the distractions of this world and our own hearts lead us to trust in other things, lead us back to Christ again, to this great Savior. We worship You, O Lord our God.